Romans 11 and verse 36. Romans 11:36 says, "For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God." Which is your reasonable service. <clears throat> and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, for the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. Now we're in our series of, um, is it really so that, you know, there's sometimes that are said by Christians or said about Christians or said about churches um, that aren't really completely accurate. Sometimes there may be half-truths, partial truths, but they don't see the totality of Scripture, the totality um, of contests. Um, Solomon, can you go get me a cup of water, please? Thank you. <clears throat> uh, and what we're dealing with today, talking about today, is it legalistic to have standards? Is it legalistic for us personally to have standards? And is it legalistic um, for a church or an organization to set standards um, for leadership, for servants, for, um, for workers? Um, you know, a common teaching is um, that any kinds of standards of, living, of holy living um, <clears throat> is considered legalistic or pharisaical. And that no one could judge me for the things I do or the things I don't do. And, um, and it's often said, you know what, Christians answer to God and not to man, so don't judge me. And like most false teachings, this is based on the partial truth. Yes, you know, we give an account to God um, ultimately. The Bible says in Romans fourteen twelve. so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We give an account to God. No, that's a more fearful and trembling thing than even giving an account to one another. That we have a God that we give an account to. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. You know, there are disputed areas. There are things... Um, that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible. You know, sometimes Christians will disagree on, on what are some, some things right or some things wrong. Um, you know, some people will debate about smoking, on whether um, a Christian shouldn't smoke or not, or if it's a big deal at all. Or some, even with drugs, people will say, you know what, God, God made marijuana, so he must have made it to smoke with it. 
And uh, there's different things people um, will use. And even though we know a lot about drugs and the harm um, it does um, from the body. Um, but the Bible doesn't say don't use marijuana, don't smoke. Um, it doesn't talk about the latest risque dance by name. It doesn't mention heavy metal, rock, and rap. Um, yes, the Bible says, you know what, a man shouldn't have long hair and a woman should have long hair for her covering. But the Bible doesn't get specific and say how long is long enough or how long is too long. What, what is short um, enough? The Bible also tells us um, about dressing modestly, that, 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 that word to dress modest. And yet, yet, the Bible doesn't necessarily specifically describe what exactly is modest. Where is the standard drawn? Where, where, where is it? How, how can we judge another, um, someone would often say. And, and that we never should be condemning um, of in, in our attitude, but we are to exercise judgment and discernment. You know, it's often said that in these matters, Christians have liberty to decide for themselves and shouldn't be challenged to think otherwise. If someone thinks um, we're in a bathing suit to the beach, it's modest, and then that's up to them. And we do all have our personal um, individual liberty that God gives us. He does give us a choice in the matter. But then again, what is exactly modest? So things are oftentimes disputable um, amongst Christians. And um, indeed, there would be things godly Christians would disagree on, on different um, standards and, um, and would have liberty one way or the other. In Romans 14, it speaks of some who celebrated special days, holidays, holy days. And there were some that um, didn't um, participate in special days, but they treated every day alike. And the Bible says that this isn't an issue of right or wrong. But it let every man be fully persuaded in his mind. So in some things, that would be the case. There would be, he also talks about some chose not to eat meat. And then others chose to eat meat. Those were the godly ones, amen? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, the Bible says, you know what, if it, whether to eat meat or not to eat meat, you know, that's not the spirituality uh, at all. And um, so there are different things. People will have different standards or different teachings. And, but the Bible does say it is the doctrine of devils to command people to abstain from eating meat, um, which God has created um, all things to be received with prayer and thanksgiving. But in many cases, however, there are, it is true that the Bible doesn't address every specific issue of our day. So have the answer to our issues today? Yes, but it's not always specific, but we could still say from Bible principles that certain things would be wrong or certain things would be right. No, the Bible doesn't say verbatim that thou shalt not read Playboy magazines. It doesn't say thou shalt not look at Maxim magazines. Does that mean Christians should do it because we got liberty? I'm pretty sure no, okay? It doesn't say you shouldn't watch MTV or Sets in the City. Bible doesn't say that. But there are Bible principles that we could go by and draw convictions from and set standards for our life in discerning right and wrong. 
It's also often said that it is wrong for leaders to set standards for, say, um, church workers or an organization who set some kind of requirements for their leadership. But the odd thing is, people usually only get bent out of shape when it is a church that is having some kind of standard um, or some kind of um, code of conduct. You know, some people will um, to, to work at certain places have to wear a tie and stuff. That, that, that's what they do for workplace. And they may not generally prefer to wear a tie, but for their boss, they, work, they wear a tie. And they're usually not bound shape. Come on. Oh, this company is so legalistic. Where do you find that in the Bible? You know, where does the Bible say that? You know what? Wearing a tie makes you spiritual. Nowhere does the Bible say you need to wear a tie to come to church. Nowhere does the Bible say that you need to wear a tie to teach a Sunday school class or to um, be a song leader. But you know what? But some churches will set a standard and say, hey, you know what? We would like our men to wear a tie, like to be professional. It doesn't mean that they're legalistic. It doesn't mean that they're pharisaical. It doesn't mean that they're adding to um, the traditions um, of men. Um, but some will say that, you know what, you, you, you can't set standards that may turn people off. But why is it that we've come to the point that we see standards everywhere else? We see, you know what, McDonald's, they have a standard for their uniform even. And it's not for the employee to tell their employer, you know what, I'm not going to wear this uniform. I want to just wear what I want to wear. Now, does him wearing the uniform make him a better worker? No, not at all. Does it make him a better worker wearing a uniform? No, besides being obedient to his boss. But you know what? If any place was to expect to have standards for leadership, it would be the church. The church um, should be a place that we represent Jesus Christ. And we represent the church as well. As you know what, Brother Frank humbly um, came up. And this message wasn't had nothing to do with what, what, what he said. It wasn't planned. It's been in our bulletin for weeks, okay? And stuff. But, you know, he saw that, you know what, I'm, I'm wearing a shirt tie. I'm wearing my sweatshirt with the church logo on it. And then someone asks, you go, you go, you go to that church. And so then see how the Spirit of God brings that conviction and stuff. And that we are to be an example. We are to be, and yet we all um, do fail, whereas none of us are perfect. But let's look at what the Scriptures really teach, um, the, the context, everything. We read here, um, the Bible says... Um, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay? Here the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. You know, it would be easier if, you know what, if it said, okay, this is what being conformed to the world is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And then we would know. But God, God, God didn't do that for us here. You know what? He gives us His Holy Spirit to, um, to teach us. He also get, um, gives uh, um, those that may be in leadership to um, um, set, a, set a particular um, standards. And the thing is, like, they often say, you know what, Christians obey God, not man. Um, 
Again, that's a partial truth. You know, yes, Christians are to obey God, but we are wrong if we conclude that we're not to ever obey man. You know, all of us um, would really generally believe we should obey man. Um, we have an obligation to answer authorities that God has placed over us. The Bible teaches us the principle of obedience to authorities in both secular and spiritual matters. The Bible says for young wives to be in submission to their husbands. Children are to be obedient to their parents. You know, I don't think any parent would say, take from a child and say, you know what, Mom, Dad, the Bible doesn't tell me I need to do that. You know, I'll only do this if God tells me to do it. You know, so the Bible says children are to be obedient to their parents. So servants are to obey their masters. Citizens are to obey their civil authorities. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists of the power, resists of the ordinance of God, and he that resists shall receive to themselves damnation. Here the Bible talks about government. And they know what? That their power comes from God. And we are to obey God. It says God is the one that puts this power in place. Now, so, so the Bible teaches we're to obey God and man. The only time we don't obey man is when it's in conflict with our obedience to God. And that's where the Bible says we would rather obey God than to obey man. But if there is no conflict, we, are, we resist the ordinance of God when we don't obey those that God may put over us. The um, Bible says, the Apostle Paul said, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That while he was following Christ, that he was the leader, he was the instructor for him. Well, he did keep that as long as I am following um, Christ. And so it's a false teaching and an incorrect attitude to say, I only answer to God, not to man. Yes, we answer to God ultimately, but it is God who told us to obey human authorities as well, except for when it's contrary. And again, you know what? People will boast about the liberty. But liberty is not a license to do wrong. It is not a license to be conformed to this world. Where do you prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You know what? There are some things. Okay, say drugs. So you know what? They may say, you know what? Prove from me the Bible that I um, shouldn't be doing illegal drugs. Now, there's lots of Bible principles I could go to, but nowhere does the Bible say thou shalt not do drugs. But what you should be doing, instead of telling me to prove it wrong, prove how it is good, acceptable, and part of the perfect will of God for your life. That's what the Bible tells us, tells us to do. But there's principles we could go to to show us wrong. You know, our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, that one that is illegal, that would be one thing as well. And um, but um, we are to be a temple of the Spirit of God. You know, we have liberty in Christ, but as the Bible says, use not liberty for an occasion of the to the flesh, but by love serve one another. People often talk much about grace and accuse those who believe there are some things. God, uh, 
um, who believe God's children shouldn't do is not believing in grace. They go, oh, you're a preacher of the law. And you don't believe in grace. And it's no, we do believe in grace. You know, it's our law. Growing in grace. It's not growing in the law. But you know what? We do grow in grace by growing in the word. The Bible does not teach that grace means we should live however we desire without any restraint. The Bible says in Romans 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bring of salvation have appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace doesn't teach us to just live in our flesh, live how we want. The grace of God is what teaches us to deny ungodliness. Jude spoke of those that would corrupt the meaning of God's grace. In Jude 4, it says, Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. They're, 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 they're misinterpreting what the grace of God is. They were taking it to mean, you know what, we have the grace of God, we'll just do whatever we want. You know, what legalism really is. Okay, you know, if you say oh, having standards or having rules is um, legalistic, but legalism is not a Christian having standards to live holy before the Lord. Legalism is adding standards of behavior to try to save yourself or to stay saved. If you add to the law, if you add the law to grace, it's a requirement for salvation, then you would be a true legalist. Now you're saying, I need to do this, I need to meet this standard in order to be saved. That would be what a real legalist is. Um, it, adding something extra to faith in Christ in order to get saved is what legalism is. Romans eleven six it says, And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But it is of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, all we need to do for our salvation is to receive it, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts sixteen thirty one. Let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 22.8. Deuteronomy 22.8. Now, we see in the Bible that you know that God sets standards. God, would, God set guidelines. You see the Ten Commandments. That God is setting a standard. Um, thou shalt not steal. Um, and it goes on. But Deuteronomy 22.8 says... When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Okay, in, in these Bible times, in these times, the way they would build their houses is they would have a flat roof. Now, that wouldn't work very well in Washington State. Okay, but they would have a flat roof. And they would have stairs on the outside of the building that would go up to the roof. And then they would be there, relaxed, maybe on a, on a, after a hot day, maybe they'll chill for a while on top of the house to um, cool down. 
and just to have that breeze, the fresh air. And God told them to build a battlement on their roof. That's a, a fence, a, 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 a guard rail. And it was for people's protection so that someone wouldn't fall, fall off and die. And also protection from liability of the owner. Because God put the owner at liability if this was to happen. Could you still fall off a roof with a guardrail? I mean, if there's a guardrail, could you fall off a roof? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we can. Okay, they, they, they could. Could you avoid falling off a roof without a guardrail? No, could you go on a roof and there's no guardrail and not fall off? Certainly. Why is God so legalistic in having them set a battlement, send a standard up? You know, he's not being legalistic, but there's a Bible principle of protection, safety, and liability. You know, that's what standards are for a Christian life or for a church, um, for their workers. It's a protection. It's protection also from liability and also is to help keep our testimony safe. And what we take is Bible principles. A, a, a principle would be a biblical truth that we are to live by. Um, for example, we could um, give many different Bible principles, but there's the Bible principle in Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's the principle. And from that principle, we receive a conviction, a belief based upon Bible principle that I shouldn't read or view pornography. Okay, the Bible didn't say thou shalt not read Playboy. Okay, but it does say I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's the Bible principle, and so we apply that through a conviction that I should not be um, looking at pornography, and then with that conviction, people is it is wise to set a standard, and some standards we all should have. It makes common sense. But there are some standards where we may vary a little bit here and there, where there's liberty as long as that liberty is not used for occasion of the flesh. But the, the, the standard would, one would maybe say is, you know, okay, there's the Bible principle. I won't set anything wicked before mine eyes. So I should not be, I am convicted I should not look at pornography. So I am going to set a standard for my home, maybe to... Have an internet filter. Maybe that when I go, in, go into the grocery store, I'm not going to walk through the magazine aisle. Now, there could be a lot of good, wholesome magazines. You know what? Someone might be able to go through and say they know what they're looking for. They're looking for a handyman's magazine. Go and get it and ignore all of the other garbage. But say someone has to struggle. A, 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 a temptation with that. It, it, it's an addition. It's a battle. They may set a personal standard for themselves that I'm not going to walk through there. Does that make them spiritual? No. But it helps them in their walk. It's, it's a guardrail. It's, 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 it's a guardrail offense to help protect them. Someone may say uh, um, that I'm not going to have a TV. I don't want that filth coming on my TV. I'm not going to watch it. 
Others may get a TV, but no cable, but maybe a DVD player in which they have more control over what they watch. Some may choose to have a TV and cable, and that does not make them less godly, um, as they should still be following the Bible principle of, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes, and they should have the conviction not to see wicked things. But choose rather to watch wholesome things. Maybe watch football. That's always wholesome. Amen. You know, God's told us to um, be warriors. Amen. And sometimes we'll watch other people be warriors. But you know, so sometimes there'll be a variance in where we draw some standards. Um, but the Bible principle is the same. Okay? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The conviction um, sometimes convictions vary, but in this case, it should be pretty obvious. You know, like Jesus said, if you look at upon a woman you lust after, you've committed adultery in your own heart. So we're able to base the standard based on that that's the same. But some standards may be um, variable. Uh, I mean, you know what? Some people have the conviction and the standard that they don't go to any restaurants that serve liquor. Hey, we should not mock them for that. Go, ah, you know what? Don't you know the grocery store sells liquor too and you still go grocery shopping? You know, if someone has a higher standard than us, we should encourage them in that. If they have a lower standard than us, we shouldn't necessarily ridicule them for that either. Myself, you know, I'll go to restaurants that maybe do serve liquor, but I won't go to bars that serve food. That may seem inconsistent. That may seem hypocritical to some. But you know what? My testimony is, Pastor, if I go into the bar, it's going to be looking different than if I just go to a restaurant that does. But some may have a higher standard than me and not go anywhere that serves liquor at all. And you know what? That would be my preference. You know, if there's a business that doesn't serve liquor at all, you know what? I'd rather give them my business there. Sometimes that's not always an option. Biblical principles often cannot be applied without setting some sort of standards. For example, one thing that is sometimes controversial, again, we mentioned this, is the Bible teaches Christians should dress modest. What are the underlying principles or, um, or in how we dress? First Timothy 2.9 says, In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. What is the principle we take from that? Modesty and testimony. However, the principle by itself has no meaning. It's what is considered modest. And so that's where we need to exercise discernment. And that's where um, the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us too. But we need to set a standard. You know, different people will have different ideas on what standards are. Um, You know what, some standards I would say, you know, some questions. Does it accentuate, magnify the body and and its curves? Are we trying to be attractive in a sensational manner? Is it revealing? Is it questionable? And again, different people maybe will vary on that's a little bit too revealing that's not too revealing. And that's where sometimes I'm getting ahead of myself, though, but it's a church for workers that we maybe will have a higher standard. 
It doesn't, it doesn't mean that something necessarily is wrong in of itself, but we want to be above reproach. Why do we have speed limits? Why do we have stop signs? It wouldn't be very safe, would it be, if we all had the attitude of, if we'd all drive safely, we wouldn't need those legalistic traffic laws. You know, it, it would be more difficult to be safe. You cannot apply the principle of safety without some kind of standard. Someone had to take the responsibility and say, this is how fast you could go. This is where we want to place a stop sign. And traffic signs are kind of arbitrary. I've never seen a speed limit of 27 miles per hour or 32 miles per hour or 56 miles per hour. It's the fastest you could go in a particular area, really 25 miles per hour. Would it maybe be more scientific to say 27.4? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But you know, but someone set a standard and one that's a little bit easier um, to remember and maybe making it be even a little bit slower um, than it would necessarily need to be to stay safe. Our personal or organization standards can sometimes seem random as well. You know, when I went to Bible college, the men's hair could not cover the ears. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say a man's hair is too long if it goes over the ears. But the Bible does have the principle of a man should not have long hair. In, um, in Corinthians, the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And so the Bible college, so they set a standard that the hair can't go over the ears. That's a standard they set based on a Bible principle. Now, it doesn't mean that someone's ungodly if their hair was over their ears. It may have still, their hair still would have been considered biblically um, short. But sometimes organizations set standards. And um, I also can't, Point, we can't always point to a scripture to um, say that a lady's dress needs to come below the knees to be modest. The Bible tells us to be modest, but it doesn't say it needs to come below the knees. Maybe it's modest if it comes at the knee. Maybe it's modest if it's just a little bit above the knee. Okay? But it's a church or it's an organization, say for workers... That's where sometimes we'll set a standard. We'll say, you know what? We ask that um, that your skirt or dress would be a little bit below your knee when you're in the seated position. Is that being legalistic? No. It is set, setting up a guardrail. You know what? There, you know what? I, we may get to heaven and go, you know what? It could have been a little bit shorter and still been acceptable. But that's, that, that's Okay. It's okay to err on the side of being a little bit more conservative. You know, after all, teaching the Sunday school class, um, singing special, or whatever it would be, it is better to have those guardrails, to set um, those standards. And everyone in here personally has a different dress standard on what they would approve of and what they would not approve of. And as for as a church, for workers, sometimes we set a standard. It's not picking on anybody at all, but we set a standard that's easy for everybody to follow. And um, if we just have a spirit of humility and, and just like, you know what, I want to serve. I want that opportunity. I want to be, um, be a blessing. And so...
You know what? It's, you know what? Brother Frank said, you know what? You know, it, it's, it's not a good standard if I keep on leading to singing when I'm having this struggle in my life. Very, very good thing. You know what? He, he, he set, set that standard for himself. And we've talked about it um, for a while. That's a good thing. You know what? That's good. You know what? The Bible talks about um, not entering into the temple drunk. And so the Bible, the Bible speaks about that. And that's where he was, you know what, that's a good standard you have. A church, you know what he, said, he told me, he told me the other day, he goes, you know what, mo, he goes, you know what, most, most pastors, they probably wouldn't have had me doing this for as long as I've been doing. You know what, he's probably right. You know what, there's times where I would rather err, even though I err usually on the conservative side, there's times where it would be grace. And I knew, I knew Frank from when he first started coming to where he's at now. And there's been growth. There, 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 there's, there's been um, growing. But then there's times where, where we stumble. And, and he made um, a great call in that area. What makes me a little fearful is I can't song lead. I can't do it at all. But, you know, we send a mixed message if we're coming here. Um, you know, I had somebody, you know, Brother Rick, you know, was talking before. And he said, was saying, you know what, even the ushers are leaders. They're viewed as leaders in the church. They maybe are not coming up teaching, but they are viewed as leaders in the church. And you have some sort of standards. It's not legalistic. It doesn't make a church legalistic. um, Someone needs to be responsible to draw the line somewhere. Instead of an organization set standards. We draw a standard with music. Hey, you know what? So, so, with music, there are a lot of things that, you know what? Some things are based on where we can show from a Bible principle, this is wrong, this is fleshly, this is just entertaining, this is not worship. But there is some music where it may be borderline. Maybe it could be used in a worship service. Maybe it's a little bit questionable. That's where someone needs to make a call. Pastors need to set standards for what kind of music is going to be acceptable in the church, primarily on Bible principles, but sometimes it may simply be his preference. Sometimes it may be so we're not a stumbling block um, to someone else. And, you know, and there's some standards that I've set that, you know, I prefer for us not to have soundtracks when someone's singing a special. Now, absolutely nothing in the Bible says soundtracks are evil and wicked. You know what? If I was planning a church, we had no instrumentalists, we would probably use soundtracks. But it's a preference. I prefer not having soundtracks. One is that oftentimes some of the soundtracks are going to be more um, upbeat, maybe a, a heavy rock beat. And I don't want to have that in the church. Now, you, you know, yes, we all give an account to God, every single one of us. But I'm going to also have to give an account in how I conduct this church before the Lord. And now, sure, someone could maybe screen the music first. But we don't really have a full-time song leader to go through all that. And I don't have the time to do it. So we just kind of say standard, you know what, let's not use soundtrack music. Now, for a couple's banquet, we did use a soundtrack for background music, okay? So I may break my own preference sometimes. That's a little bit different. Um, I, think, I think you get that. 
But there are standards sometimes we set. It's not because we're being legalistic. It's not because, oh, we're trying to set all these rules. It's not that we're not focusing on the relationship with Christ. And you know what? Usually people don't usually have problems with standards unless there's someone griping about it. If somebody's out to lunch and come, oh, yeah, I can't believe the church has that standard. Or I can't believe the, the pastor is so strict like that. That's what ends up being the stumbling block to people. Someone's without hope, or they're coming to church for hope. You know, I'm going to strive to have an attitude that even though I am wearing a suit and tie, they're not going to look at that as, I can't approach the pastor. No, I am going to go be approachable. I am going to go try and be a help to them. And I think generally they would see that you know what, that guy, he's, he's respectable, you know, he's loving, he's caring, than if I was wearing a tank top and with my pants halfway down. Go, yeah, you know what, you should feel comfortable, I'm just like you. Yeah. <laughs> now, having said that, let me say this, standards don't make you spiritual. Personal standards you set for yourself should help you in your walk with God. They should be a guard well, but with the wrong attitude, it will be a hindrance to you. You know, I've, 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 I've had someone come to this church in the past before, and they were just critiquing and criticizing just about everything. They're like, oh, you know, you got women that are wearing makeup in your church. You got woman wearing pants in your church. You know, that's not a godly church. And now, again, we may have standards for leadership, okay, serving nursery, serving in Sunday school class. We ask the ladies to wear a modest um, dress or skirt, but the attitude isn't one of condemning. It is just more, let's be an example. We represent the Lord, and we represent the church, and the way people do represent um, the pastor to a degree as well. You know, I know lots of Christians, they may have lots of standards, but the fruit of the Spirit is not one of them. They don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. They boast of their high standards, but they're as mean as the devil. That is a hindrance in your own personal walk with the Lord. Standards don't make us spiritual. Standards are guidelines to keep you safe from falling in temptation, to help you obey God, or to not be a stumbling block. But spirituality only comes as a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so don't make this mistake of assuming you're spiritual because of the standards that you have in your home. That was the flaw of the Pharisees. Also, don't make the mistake of thinking that someone with higher standards than you is a Pharisee. That's making a mistake, too. That's the attitude of the liberal. Be cautious of people who make a mockery of standards. Don't ridicule people that have higher standards. Don't ridicule people that have lower standards. Because there is a difference. Sometimes we'll set a standard. That Okay, here's the standard um, for people not to come to church, but for different roles in serving in the church. You know, if your personal standards are higher than those of leadership, follow years. 
And you know, Rick's been doing insurance for how long? 18 years. Okay, okay. When, when, he, when, he, when he first started, okay, you know what? He, he wore, wore a shirt, wore a tie, dress shirt, wore a tie. And, and now, you know what? His business has grown. You know what? He could care less. And, uh, and so he's just more casual. Say casual Friday, it's casual week. And, and, um, and there's funny, nothing, there, there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But then he did tell me, you know what, if he's going for a big business or there's something that's in a more professional setting, then he will dress up more for that occasion. But um, his son-in-law, um, Joe, he comes to work over there in a dress shirt and tie. And if anything, I would have thought it was the other way around. I would have thought it would be Rick wearing the shirt and tie and not Joe. But Joe is just starting out. He's one to be, pro- be professional in his atmosphere. His standard, maybe at this time, is higher than Rick's. So if his standard is higher, if your standard is higher, follow your standards. If your standards are higher than my standards, you know what? Follow your standards. But if your standards is lower than your employers or your boss, say, say Rick wore a shirt and tie, And Joe preferred not to. Well, Joe should have our respect for his leader or him being in his office, should step the standard up. Follow the leader's standards if um, they are higher. Now, again, that doesn't mean that Joe is wearing a shirt and tie when he's out hanging out or going hunting, okay? Which is for the occasion, he he would dress up for that. Now, develop personal standards, and we're, we're done here, but develop personal standards based upon Bible principles. Now, and and um, well, and there are times where there'll be preferences, but sometimes it'd be our Bible principle of being reverent. Um, but um, set Bible, or with Bible principles, set standards, and while God has put responsibility on leaders, in the secular and spiritual realms, to establish standards for government, family, and church, we do all have a personal stand, um, responsibility to our own walk with God. Bible says, But as he which have called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We should not mock holiness. Living Holy before the Lord. And so strive to be holy. Let's, let's have good, godly standards in our life. But again, let's not let our standards puff our pride. It's in Romans 12 when it tells us to be transformed, to be conform, um, not be conformed to this world, and, and to prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It then says, though, not to think let to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So don't use your standards for pride. Use your standards as guard well guardrails that help you in your walk with God, help you not be a stumbling block to others, and to be a good godly testimony and stuff. So.